Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Family, even if you aren't here with us uh, in person. Um, Merry Christmas. This is the week of Christmas. Christmas Eve is this thir- Thursday. Friday is Christmas Day. I get my days a little bit confused. It's okay. It happens. You know, that's part of life. Um, but we are so glad that you can join us here today. Um, and, of course, as always, I'm Pastor Gabe and my wife, Lajinska. My beautiful wife, Lajinska, and I have the uh, privilege of pastoring here at Emmanuel Church. And we're so glad that you are here today. Um, this week, we are going to be having a special Christmas Day stream, a live stream, online only service. It won't be here in person, but you can tune in on Christmas Day at 1130 or anytime at your convenience to be able to join us in a special uh, short Christmas program uh, to get ourselves, of course, in the right mind as we celebrate Christmas, to not forget what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And uh, don't forget that you can give and continue to support this ministry by giving online at mymanualchurch.com in the lobby if you're here in person or uh, on mymanualchurch.com slash give. You will find all the ways that you can give here in the church. And we're so glad that you are here today. Today is the last day of our series uh, called Advent. The light has come. And next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating Vision Sunday. It's something I, I like to do at the end of every year where we take a look at where we've been so we can see where we're going in the year to come. 2020 has been a difficult year. We're hoping that 2021 will be better in the name of Jesus um, and that we will see God moving in our lives. And not that he hasn't, because, of course, he has sustained us all through this. So if you haven't caught up on the series this thus far, this uh, so, so far this uh, month, go ahead and catch up. Go watch online. Go listen online on the podcast. Um, but today, today, uh, the title of my message for this is Expecting the Unexpected. Expecting the Unexpected. And you know, as I start out today, uh, this series, uh, the, the message for today reminded me of of the expectations we have for life, the expectations that we have for things. And I don't know about you, but I like to I like to look online for different kinds of recipes or different things that I can do. And they just like, like let's be honest, they don't always turn out as you expected. Sometimes they make it look so easy. You know, Pinterest. Uh, is one of the one of the things you always see. Uh, there's a hashtag called Pinterest fails, and I don't know if you've ever explored Pinterest fails, but it's it's funny because people find these crafts that people make online or find these recipes that they can make do online, and it's like oh they make it seem so simple, so easy, and until you can do it, anyone can do this, and it's like oh man, only takes five minutes. 
And then by the end of the whole process, you have yourself questioning who you are, your abilities, your skills, and everything about life. Because it should have taken five minutes, and you've been at it for three hours. And it still doesn't look like the picture. You know, in fact, this premise has become such a thing that Netflix even uh, started a series called Nailed It. Where they come, they bring, excuse me, where they bring not professional bakers... And they tell them, here's a cake, recreate it. And they have no idea what they're doing. And I don't know if you've ever seen this show. You might check it out for a laugh. The judges are a little mean, but overall, it's an interesting concept. You give these people that have no idea what they're doing, give them a chance to recreate the cake. And often it ends up badly. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to use fondant. I didn't even know that fondant was a thing until recently. And it tastes terrible. I don't know why they say it's edible. But fondant, but this kind of thing happens. And so just like that, just like you expect that we can do something, sometimes we put expectations on ourselves and we don't meet them. And just like any kind of expectation in life, we want things to happen a certain way. And including in our faith and including when it comes to God, we have expectations for jobs. We have expectations for plans Uh, vacations. We have expectations for relationships. And of course, even how we live out our lives when it comes to our faith in God. But we have to be careful because just like we can set unrealistic expectations for life, we can do so with our faith in God. You know, I, as a youth pastor, something that uh, I learned is that students, teenagers, think that if they can just get into a relationship, all their problems will be solved. And that's just like not how life works. They think that if I can find someone, then everything will be fixed. No, you bring your problems with you. That's how life works. You bring everything that's there. But we have these unrealistic expectations that we set for ourselves. And when we do that to God, when we do that to our faith, what we end up doing is setting up a false God, a false truth in our lives. Because God does not always meet our expectations. In fact, sometimes he downright lets us down as far as we're concerned. And other times he shatters them all together. And this is what exactly what happened in the story of Jesus coming to earth. Jesus came to earth in such an unexpected way. He came to earth beyond, the, he, he, beyond what anybody understood. They did not want the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to come this way. And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, we find the story how Jesus was born into this world. And maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you're not, but we're going to read it anyway. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. It says like this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And they were living, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And that's where I'm going to stop for the moment. The story of Jesus, how Jesus came into the world, definitely didn't fit the world's expectations for God. When the people of Israel expected a Messiah, and when they first were prophesied and told that there would be someone coming who would save them, who would rescue them. The, the stories that, that tell us, that the, the Bible tells us that the prophets began to prophesy of the Messiah coming in the time where Israel was being sent into captivity into Babylon. And so when they heard of a Savior being born, a Messiah being born, what they envisioned in their minds was someone who would come and overthrow Babylon who would save them from their captors, who would set them free, who would come as a king victoriously, triumph, and bring battle to their enemies. And God saved them from Babylon, and he saved them and brought them back to the promised land. But that didn't happen. The Messiah wasn't born yet. And time passed and time passed, and over 400 years passed before we would meet the Messiah. And again, we find Jesus born into a time where Israel is in great distress. They are being ruled over by the Roman Empire, because everyone was back then. The Romans took over everything, and anything that they could see was beneficial to them. And so Israel, of course, being on the coast was no no exception. And we find Jesus born into those times. Rome is the world power. uh, The people of Israel are being suppressed they are being, uh, once again, they're, they're living in captivity. They live in their own land, many of them, but they are still not free to live and worship and do as they please because they are now under a foreign king. The king that was supposed to be ruling them, the family line of David, had gone into hiding. They wanted to stay away, and Rome set up their own king to rule over Israel. And so we find Jesus and the people of his day eagerly expecting a Messiah. Because again, they had another unrealistic expectation about the Messiah. They say, we're going to see a Messiah come. There are many people in Jesus' time that claim to be the Messiah. And they came battle ready, swords lifted, raising a revolution, ready to fight. And that's what they wanted. They wanted someone who would overthrow Rome and let them be rulers of their own land again. They wanted someone that was a king. They wanted someone that was battle ready. But that's not how Jesus came. That's not how Jesus came. 
Jesus came to this earth, to our world, as a baby. I don't know what they expected. They, they wanted someone to overthrow, but like, I don't know what they expected. There was a comedian, a Christian comedian, I remember, by the name of Mark Lauer. And he said, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't come the way he, he did. You know, he came born a baby in a manger. Quietly. Except for the angels, you know. And he says, I wouldn't do that. I would have opened up the heavens Riding on a golden horse and a golden staircase with angels all around trumpeting. The Messiah is here. And that's what they wanted. That's what they expected. They put these expectations on God and demanded that God meet them. And when Jesus didn't meet their expectations, they tore him down. They killed him. Because this is not our Messiah. This is not who we wanted. People wanted a Savior, but they didn't want a Savior who would rescue them from their sins. In fact, they were content living in their sin. They were content where they were at. They were like, I, I, I don't want my life to change. What, the one thing that I want to change is I want Rome out and me in power. That's what the ruling leaders of those days wanted. So we set these unrealistic expectations. And even the disciples, when it came to Jesus, had unrealistic expectations about him. They walked with him and talked with him and ate with him and traveled with him. And they still had unrealistic expectations. Jesus would often tell them at some point, he started telling them, he said, you know what, what's going to happen is in, in, the ne- in the near future, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over into the hands of the religious leaders, into the hands of Rome. And they are going to kill me. And they're going to kill me. And this has to happen. And he continued to tell them that over and over again. And then until one, at one point, Peter was like, Lord, no. God won't let any of this happen to you. And Jesus responds, get thee behind me, Satan. Imagine talking to Jesus and you're like one of his best friends. And then he's just like, Satan, get away. Excuse you? <laughs> what? But that's what it was. And so that, that happens. And we do the same things in our life. We, we have the benefit of that it's been 2,000 years. And so we know how Jesus was supposed to come. But we still do the same things in our lives. When it comes to difficult years like this, we expect that God is going to shower us with blessing and make everything okay again. We expect that if we're hurting, God is immediately going to make us stop. He's going to take it away. We expect that if we're going through difficult circumstances, if we're suffering, that God is going to immediately run to our sides and fix all of our problems. But it doesn't always happen that way. We often come through life, go through life, facing difficulties, facing struggles, facing the unexpected. We would rather that God would tell us everything that's going to happen in our lives. We would rather that He would prepare us for everything or let us be prepared for everything so that we could be okay. But that's not how God operates. God operates in the unexpected. God operates without us needing to know. I mean, we wish we would know. We want to know. 
I can't tell you how many times I prayed in my life, God, just tell me what's going to happen. Just, just please, you know, like, tell me. Just tell me. I, I'm tired of waiting. Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to do this? Am I ever going to be rich and famous? Am I ever going to well-known? Am I, am I are, you know, am I going to be poor? It's okay if it's going to, I might be poor, but I, I just need to be ready for it. Tell me that that's what my life is going to be. So that I can know. Got to put a little way extra savings. Got to put things away. But God doesn't work that way. In fact, I'm convinced that if we were to know what God would want for our lives, if we were to know exactly what God wanted to do through us and in us, we'd run the other way. We'd run the other way. Because if we know what God wants us to do and then we know who God is, we would run. That's exactly what happened to the prophet Jonah. And Jonah was told exactly what he needed to do. I need you to go to Nineveh and I need you to preach to them. And Jonah even told God later in his book, he said, I didn't want to go because I know you. I know what you wanted and I know you. I don't like Nineveh. I don't like those people. And so I don't want to go because I know that if I preach, they're going to listen. And you're going to be merciful. And I don't want that. We would run the other way. But God operates this way. God operates in the unexpected. Not because it's fun to him to scare us. He's not like people. Like one of my pastimes. Uh, I can't do it so much to my wife. But one of my pastimes is I like to like sneak up on people. And kind of like freak them out. Just a little jump, you know. I can't do that to my wife though. She'll have a heart attack. In fact, I don't even try to. <laughs> she's, we're just in the house at the same time. I'm like, hey, and she screams. It happens. I remember, and, and it's funny because my mom is, is kind of the same way. And, and my dad, uh, Pastor Mary, she tell, one time he told, I, I remember, I'll never forget. He says, Jesus could never appear to you. Because if he did, you'd die. <laughs> like he'd have to bring you back. <laughs> right then and there. It's not that God wants to scare us. He's, he's not trying to freak us out or cause us issues or cause us problems. Or he's not the mean kid with the magnifying glass burning ants. That's not God. He doesn't want us to know because he needs us to understand that even if life is unexpected, even if things don't always go our way, that he is still with us. He is still there for us. Advent, this whole season of prepar preparation, is about preparing our hearts, preparing our spirits, preparing to receive what God has for us. Preparing to receive Jesus. Jesus was unexpected. If we were to choose a Savior, we wouldn't choose Jesus. And that's how the people felt about Jesus. They looked at him and said, he's not impressive. You know, they always, and we have, we have to get a proper image of Jesus. <laughs> because he wasn't impressive. The Bible tells us that Jesus was plain, unimpressive, unremarkable, like everybody else. He looked like everybody else. 
And yet we have pictures of him like with glowing hair, blonde eyes. He's on the cross with a six pack. Like that wasn't Jesus. He was unimpressive. He was normal to everyone else. When they looked at him, he wasn't. That's why people were always surprised by Jesus. He looked normal. And yet he stood up and taught. And they're like, who is this man who teaches with authority? The religious leaders, they're dressed in fancy robes. They look the part. They look educated and excellent. But this man, he's a nobody. So why is it that when he speaks, there's power? Why is it that he can lay his hands on the sick and they will be healed? Why is it that he can do the things? It doesn't make sense. And then even when people would start catching on on it, Jesus would throw them for another loop. He always did that kind of stuff. Today we're afraid to offend. Uh, today we're afraid to offend. And there are people that will say as much as they can to keep people from leaving church. And Jesus was like, I got a few thousand people here. That's too many. <laughs> That's too many. I got to shake things up. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Excuse you. And then he only had 12. He had thousands. He went from thousands to 12. That's not the proper way to grow a church. If you, you were to tell Jesus in this church growth culture, it's like, Jesus, you know, that's not a good strategy. But he was unexpected. He always did things opposite of what we think he should do. And like I said, it's not because he's trying to surprise us or trying to keep us on edge or trying to be mean or cruel to us. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus, through the unexpected, is working to teach us that the only one that we need is him. He is trying to teach us that we need to learn to trust in him. And trust is not easy. Trust is never easy. You know, we, we, we have ideas of what trust should be and ideas of uh, what things need to be when it comes to trust. People, in our day and age, we, we tell people, we have to earn my trust. You have to earn the ability for me to confide in you. And I had a friend like that one time. He told me, he's like, now I can finally tell you my secrets. I'm like, what? Excuse me? What's going on? And he says, well, I put you through some tests. I'm like, tests? You did what now? But that's what we do to people. We put, we put them, we let, make them jump through hoops because they got to earn our trust and they have to earn. Because trust is not easy because it's easy to get hurt. It's, we don't like to be hurt. We don't like to do these things. So it, trust it, is difficult. But God wants us to trust him without him telling us anything. Because when it comes to God, maybe not with people, but when it comes to God, trust is not something God earns from us, but deserves from us. Because he is trying, he, he is good. God is good. And so his, him asking us to trust us is rooted in the fact that he is love, that he is good, and is not based on anything that man is. He even tells the uh, he even told Job one time. He says, "Am I a man that I would lie? Am I a man that I would be like you?" He says, "No, I'm. In fact, I'm so different 
that I don't want to, I don't want to have to earn your trust. I don't want to have to jump through hoops. Imagine ma- making God trust us. Well, God, before, before I trust you, I'm going to need to do something. But that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. But in the unexpected, to be able to get through that, because life is unexpected. We cannot pretend to know everything that is going to happen. And so in order to live in that unexpected state where we don't know what's going to happen, I mean, we, we would not have no, no idea that a pandemic would have spread to the, this year. In fact, last year, everybody was like, 2020 is the year, 2020 vision. It's going to be perfect. We're going to do so much. We're going to accomplish so much. And then we got stuck inside for nine months. I was like, well, that happened. And then one thing after another, there were murder hornets in the United States. That was a thing. California was on fire. Australia was on fire. World War III nearly happened. Like, this, this year was just one unexpected thing after the other. If that doesn't teach us that life is unexpected and if we're going to be able to get through it, we need to trust in God, then I don't know what will. I don't know what will. But how do we trust God then? Because it has to be on our end that we learn to trust God. First is we need to know that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. We have to work on teaching ourselves that. He is worthy of our trust because of who he is. We have gone through life, and I have been through this year as difficult as it has been, where there was some weeks we didn't know what was going to happen. Were we going to have enough to make it through? Where this year, I have been through experiences where I had never trusted, doubted God for provision in my life before. But it came down to the wire to a point where I was afraid. And yet I told God, I'm scared, but I have had no reason to not trust you before. God is worthy of our trust. God is good. I know it doesn't seem that way, but he has taken care of us. And proof to that point is you're still here. You've made it through. It's been difficult, but you've made it through. You might not be okay, and that's okay. But you've made it through. God is still working in your life. God is still walking with you. He is worthy of our trust. God is worthy of our trust because he is good. God is worthy of our trust because he is love. It's not just because he loves us. He is love. So when God works in our lives, it's because it's out of his character, which is love. It's out of his character, which is to care for us. He is a loving father. He is not just a loving father, but the Bible even tells us expressions of God, expressions of the Holy Spirit, that he is like a loving mother, too, because uh, Jesus talks about Jerusalem, and he says, how I've longed to gather you up like a mother hen protecting you. 
His love is more than we can understand because we can say God is this or that, God the Father, but he is God Father and he's like a mother hen and he's like this because he is everything. And his love is, his expressions of who he is, the expressions of his love are so much deeper than we can understand. But he is love in that he will hold us close and hold us tight. In that the reason why Jesus came in the first place was because of God's love. Because he refused to, to let us sit and, and die in our sin. Because he wanted to make a way. Because we couldn't do it on our own. Because we needed grace. That we would never be able to earn perfection or earn heaven by doing what was right. By avoiding what was wrong. But that through Jesus, who took our sin and our imperfection on the cross, who was ready from that from the day he was born, that is love. And this is love, the Bible tells us, that not, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. God is worthy of our trust because he is love. And we learn to trust in our lives through prayer. We learn to trust through prayer. Prayer is a connection with God, but we definitely don't do it enough. I mean, I'm a pastor and I can say that I don't do it enough. But it's how we get to know him. It's how we have a conversation. I cannot say that I know my wife if I never talk to her. We can live in the same house and never talk to each other. I can't say I know her if that were true, but I do because we talk every day. We need to do the same with God. We need to have that same relational closeness through prayer, through reading the word of God, through, through getting to know him. We learn to trust. The Bible tells us of itself that it was written so that we would know the wisdom of all the mistakes that everybody already made. So that we could see, it's like, ooh, you know, David did that with Bathsheba. Maybe, maybe I should uh, be careful. You know, they always were focused on, uh, on military, power, uh, military power in Israel. Maybe that's not a good thing. You know, Jesus talked about meekness. The word of God is there so that we can learn to trust him, to see the mistakes of others and how God saved them in grace. To see that God pulled through when there were dark circumstances that nobody could have rescued them from. By prayer, by the word, by walking it out, by living it. Walking every day in trust. We, we've been talking to the, in the youth group. I've been helping out in there right now. And we've, the past couple of weeks, we did talk about, uh, we've been talking about Advent as well and trust and, and overcoming fear. And one of our students, he was talking about how, he says, you know, I, I said, how do you overcome fear? He's like, well, every time I feel afraid, I pray. I was like, that's good. He's like, no, but not just that. Like, I don't like roller coasters. So before I go on roller coasters, I pray. When I get scared of taking a test, I pray. 
when I when when I when I'm fearful of anything, I pray. It's not just like when I feel afraid of my life or anything like that. It's for everything. And I was like, that's exactly that that's so good because that is walking it out. That is walking out trust in God, even in the smallest little things to say that God, I I I this might be small, but to me, I, I'm afraid right now. To me, I need you right now. To me, I need to trust you. So walking it out is putting our trust in God in the moment when we face difficult circumstances. I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, we were at the bare bare end of what we could possibly hold in our bank accounts. I was like, $3 in there. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. And I remember telling God, I said, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know if there's going to be food next week. I don't know if I'm going to be taken care of. I really don't know, God. But I remember in that moment I said, but... Me, me and Lajinska, we came together and we prayed that weekend and we said, God, we don't know. But God, we would trust that you will take care of us. We will trust that your word says as it always has. That, that you will never see the, you have never seen the righteous begging for bread. That you will provide for those that you love. God is worthy of our trust. Because as we walk it out, he proves it. Sometimes, yes, God lets us down. But because we have placed unrealistic expectations on him. The last thing we need to do, as I close out this morning, is the last thing we need to do to, in order to trust God, in order to live out and expect the unexpected, is to drop our expectations and let God be God. Let him be who he is. Because he, he will never let us down if we let him define who he is and what his expectations for, the, for him are. If he defines his own expectations, he will never let us down. If we define God's expectations, he will always let us down. Because he doesn't work the way we do. But all the same, he is with us. He is helping us live out this life. And he's not going to just let us go through all this difficulty alone. Never. 2020 might not have been easy. 2020 was filled with unexpected things. But the one thing that we can count on in all of that is Jesus. It's Jesus. We can count on Jesus. I have seen it in my life this year. I have seen God provide. I have seen God open opportunities. I've seen God open doors for people who needed health care, who people who needed uh, uh help financially. I've seen God open doors for jobs. I've seen God protect people. In moments where I was afraid and angry because, you know, everything that we've seen with police violence this year and someone that I knew encountered a difficult situation like that and they made it out okay. Okay. 
I was afraid. But God, I could count on God in that. And even when we lose things, when we've lost loved ones and we lost stuff in our life and we don't know what's happening next, we can still count on Jesus. Because in the end, his word says, and he tells us and wants us to know the truth that no matter what it is, that he will work out for good all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the worse, the struggle, the fear, the doubt. He will work out all things for our good if we will trust him and we will put our love in him. We can count on Jesus even in the unexpected. Would you stand with me this afternoon? As we get, there's just a couple weeks left in this year. And our focus is going to be, as we close out, remembering what God has done and where he has taken us so far this year so that we might be able to trust in him that even if 2020 was bad and even if 2021 isn't good either, that we can still count on Jesus. Father, we come before you. We thank you for how far you have brought us, for how much you have done for us. Help us to trust you because it's not easy. It's not easy to rely on you. It's not easy to hold on to you. It's not. We put expectations on you and you let us down. But teach us, God, teach us to trust Teach us to know you. Teach us to rely on you, even in the most difficult of circumstances. Because in our darkest moment, in the darkest moment of the world, you came down as light to give hope to a world in need. And you do the same every day now. So as we worship and we go into your presence today. Let us know you. Let us trust you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.